I'm Aaron Fowler and welcome to another episode of the Disability Sports Podcast. My guest this week is England amputee footballer Sean Jackson. In the interview, Sean talks about his experiences playing for England at the recent amputee football World Cup out in Turkey. He now plays his domestic football for Everton, having recently joined them from Manchester City. Sean also mentions a TV advert he features in, and his YouTube channel on which he shares his footballing journey. Here's the interview, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Sean, and welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, I'm back home at the moment, so it's uh, a bit of downtime after we just got back from the, the World Cup. Brilliant. Um, so just before we get into the World Cup, I just wondered if you could start off by telling us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Sean. Um, I play amputee football uh, for England and, and Everton amputee uh, football team. Um, I've sort of been playing the sport for, for over six years now. And um, yeah, I've also finished sort of uni recently. And um, yeah, I, like I just said, I've, I've just got back from the World Cup. And um, yeah, a lot of football, a lot of football, to be honest. Brilliant. Um, and so how was your experience out in Turkey? It was, it was a brilliant experience, to be honest. It was it was my second um sort of major tournament with England. So um it was just good to get more experience sort of playing international football and, and sort of away from the football. It was nice just to be away with with a lot of your mates kind of thing. And um I think everyone did have a really good sort of experience and um although obviously results and everyone wishes to win the World Cup kind of thing. I think it was a really good experience for, for staff and players, just everyone getting on and, and yeah, it was really cool sort of being out in Istanbul for, for almost two weeks. And how, how did you guys do in the tournament? Uh, so we we um, we had our group, our group games, we had three group games and unfortunately lost two uh, and won one, but it was just enough to sort of get us through to the, the next round. Um, where we faced Angola, which won the World Cup in 2018. Um, so, yeah, quite a, a tough match going into it. And um, we were really unfortunate. We took them to extra time and um, that's where we, we lost uh, 1-0 uh, in the end, just just by a bit of unfortunate sort of bounces and that kind of thing. So we um, we did finish. We finished ninth overall in the, in the competition. Okay. And, and how many teams were competing in the World Cup? Uh, there was 24, 24 uh, countries sort of all over the world. And it was quite, I think it was the biggest one that they've had so far. Um, so yeah, it was quite quite impressive to see all the, the, the sort of nations that are about. And England, uh, as you mentioned, finished ninth. How does that compare to recent tournaments? Um, so recent, I think recently we've, we've finished fifth in Europe um, last year. I think before that we might have finished sixth or seventh. Uh, in the last World Cup, but um, obviously it was a, it was a brand new squad that we we took um, to Istanbul this year. So it was it was it was I think only four or five players in the squad that had played in more than one sort of major tournament. So it was it was a fresh and young squad. So um, although it's not as as high as the other teams maybe have finished, it was sort of our first step um, as as a young team. So it is quite exciting. And can you just briefly explain for anyone uh, who's not aware the uh, rules of uh, amputee football? Yeah, so amputee football is um, like an adapted version of football. It's seven aside. Um, it's on a quite a smaller pitch. Um, I think the sort of main rules is probably outfielders being on crutches, um, goalkeepers being a, a, an upper upper body amputation, so they'd be missing an arm and 
and those goalkeepers would, would be locked into their box so they're not allowed to come out. Um, it is handball if you use your crutches or it hits you, you, you stump. Um, and yeah, we only we only play for 50 minutes. They're slightly shorter games. Um, and yeah, rolling subs. So it's, it's very similar to sort of small-sided football um, and no offsides. And uh, what position do you play? I'm a defender, centre-back. Um, so yeah, try and get as many clean sheets as possible. <laughs> and uh, how many games did you play uh, in at the World Cup? Uh, how many games did we play? I think we played seven, seven overall. Um, I only played three myself. Um, just sort of one of the struggles of, of playing football, sort of getting an injury against uh, Angola that sort of put me out for the rest of the tournament. Um, but yeah, we played played seven. Um, and yeah, one four. So, how did you um, deal with that injury? As in, it must have been very frustrating, uh, you know, for you to, as obviously an elite, you know, footballer wanting to be involved. It was. It was really challenging. I can't can't lie. It was. Um, yeah, you, you sort of you train. We've been training this sort of past year for this this tournament, and then. Um, to get that sort of injury, especially during the, the Angola game where it was nil-nil. Um, at the time, we, we were all playing really well. And um, I think for me, it was, uh, first of all, sort of making sure it wasn't a break or anything massively serious, sort of getting it checked out at the, the hospital. And, and then after that, it was sort of having chats with the, the manager and the sort of psychologist that we've got and, and sort of asking how I can still play a part um, I think for me it was just being um, around the lads as much as I could, making it as normal as possible, trying to be as supportive as as I could, um, and yeah, it was just just still being involved. I think um, it was very easy to sort of just sort of be grumpy and, and not really feel like you you should be there anymore. And um, I was really conscious of trying to be sort of um, in the best sort of possible mood possible, just to. And support the lads. I think it's very commendable that you've, uh, you know, dealt with it in a very positive way. I think, like you say, it would be quite easy to get down about it. But uh, it sounds like you, you know, were obviously, uh, you know, very supportive of your teammates, which is brilliant to hear. Um, you mentioned about your manager. Um, I believe your manager is he the son of a, a sort of a famous uh, kind of uh, football manager? Yeah, he is um, the son of Owen Coyle. Who I think is known sort of managing Blackburn and Bolton and Burnley and, and those sort of teams and he is he's um unfortunately it, it was his last tournament with us um but yeah he is he's a great great coach that we've had um sort of six or seven years um really sort of knowledgeable around the game and and quite a good good person to have about and um what um do you know who's going to be taking over um as your next manager we, we don't know, no, it's it's quite an exciting time, sort of, um, obviously, at the moment, the, the England team isn't sort of affiliated with the FA, so um, this sort of next few months is is potentially sort of a partnership between us and the FA, so um, it's exciting to see maybe it, it could be someone that we already know, or it might be an absolutely sort of fresh face from the FA that might might come in and take over, so it'll be, be interesting for us to see his players. Do you find um, the coaches ha- are mainly uh, from a background of uh, 
regular able-bodied football if you like and do the does it take a while for the coaches to learn and understand the game of amputee football it's interesting that this is what i did my dissertation on um at uni so it was it is interesting i think there is there's a bit of a split with the coaches there's and there's quite a few that i've had sort of a background with within academy football in and working with sort of um, that elite side of the game and then there's also um, the other half of coaches that, that have come up through the sort of community coaching and, and disability coaching so they've found their way through that and um, a lot of coaches I'd say in terms of the sort of tactical side of things is a lot similar to, to able-bodied football and I think yeah most coaches that I've I've sort of had they've adapted really quickly to, to understanding amputee football and there are just a little technical stuff of playing on crutches. Um, I think they, they get used to uh, quite quickly. And to be fair, they are. We've got a lot of good coaches with sort of all the qualifications. And it is it's um, it is quite good that we, we, we sort of get access to that. You mentioned earlier as well about having a sports psychologist out at the World Cup with you. So what other uh, backroom staff did you have uh, with you out, out there? Um yeah, we, we we do have the biggest uh, group of staff I think in in the world sort of that we've seen, and um, we had the biggest group. So there was, um, I think there was there was four from the medical team. So we got doctors and um, sort of physios and and rehabs. Um, we had our strength and conditioning coach uh, who sort of leads the warm ups. Um, we have the sort of team of three um, media. Sort of photographers, videographers, and, and social media, and um, obviously all your coaches and the goalkeeper coaches, and um, yeah, there's there's a big team, big team of people that we took out. Brilliant. And what lessons do you think you learned both individually and as a team from this tournament that you can take away with you to you know improve for for the next major tournament? I think um, sort of individually for me it was. Um, yeah, just just around that, just getting more game experience at the, the, the sort of top level, just learning little lessons around um, sort of the difference because um, obviously playing nations that I'd never played before, it was, um, for me, maybe one of them was, was being a bit more patient to sort of work the, the opposition out a bit, a bit slower instead of um, maybe rushing things. And um, I think just as a group, uh, and for me as well, it was just a lot of confidence I think we got from it. I think, like I say, we're, we're the youngest youngest squad that went out there and um, we're the only team to sort of keep a clean sheet for 50 minutes against Angola. So it was, um, we sort of proved to ourselves that we're definitely good enough to compete with the best and um, just hope everyone sort of takes that confidence from it. And um, yeah, also we, we did get caught out against sort of America in the first game. Uh, I think the, the sort of lesson learned was was definitely just around trusting sort of the process that was put in place. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was it was a tricky match to sort of start the tournament with, and um, yeah, it was definitely something that we learned from quite quickly. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people sort of enjoyed that experience. Cool. And um, who were the standout players at the World Cup? <laughs> Be careful who's watching. Um, there's there's quite a few. There's there's uh, I think quite a lot of players. Every player sort of had the impact. Um, but I think 
sort of you look at Reese Ramsden, Jamie Tugaskis, Dave Tweed, um, they were all sort of amongst the goals kind of thing. And um, they were they were they were really sort of important for us going forward. Um, I think Harry Ash was was another standout player. He was it was his first major tournament. He, that was the first time he's been out of the squad, and I thought he was he was really good, sort of similar age to me. Um, yeah, it was really good to to see them all sort of thrive at the tournament. Brilliant. Um, so obviously we've talked quite a bit about the recent World Cup. Um, I'd like to go back a bit towards your childhood and I guess the you know beginning of your footballing journey and things. So I uh, just wondered if you can tell us a bit about your childhood. Um, where did you grow up? What were your interests? Yeah, so I'm I'm currently home. Yeah, I uh, grew up on the Isle of Man, um, and yeah, yeah, my sort of childhood. I, I was born with my amputation, pretty much. So I'm born with two toes and and a shorter leg. So it was it was amputated pretty pretty early on, uh, and yeah, I think my childhood was probably like any other sort of kids' childhood. It was um, it was really good for me. Um, I sort of got involved with with quite a lot of things and. Um, got a lot of opportunities growing up and um, I think I was, yeah, I was really lucky um, and kind of being around family and, and friends and that kind of thing. It was, yeah, it was just like any other lad sort of being around sport as well, massively um, as I grew up and um, yeah, I think it, it was perfect for me. So uh, my day job is as a physiotherapist. So I'm quite interested in, uh, you know, obviously uh, how after you had your amputation and the rehab that you went through, how old were you when you went through that? I'm pretty sure I was, I was nine months when it was, it was amputated. Um, so I, I've sort of seen pictures um, from when I was a baby and um, I obviously couldn't walk when I had the two toes and I was sort of crawling about. But after my amputation, I'm pretty sure I got, got used to um obviously life using a prosthetic leg and um yeah I was I think up until I was maybe 12 um I'd, I'd get a new prosthetic leg every sort of six seven months and um yeah it was quite interesting for a lot of people sort of getting a new leg and and learning to walk that kind of way it was good fun and each time when you were younger that you got a new prosthetic leg how long did it take to be able to use that leg uh, as efficiently as you could with the previous one, or was it pretty much straight away? Um, yeah, probably a lot of the times it was quite tough getting used to it. It's like, I, I feel like the best way I'd describe it is, is like getting in like a new pair of boots or something where it sometimes sort of digs in or, or gives you blisters kind of thing. And it probably does take, take a, a week or so to get to break into the leg if you like. And, uh, I was also because again, like a lot of lads, I was I was always so active, and um, I'd actually break break the legs quite a lot, and uh, the the sort of carbon fiber foots that I'd, I'd snap in, and all kinds. So I, I had quite a few troubles sort of growing up with my leg, but um, but most of the time it was all it was all good. Good. And how old were you when you first started playing football? Uh, I always remember I was sort of four or five. Um, playing for just a, a local sort of junior uh, Sunday league team. And yeah, I remember sort of playing in, indoors and um, yeah, it was good fun. Always. And where did, how did your football journey, I guess, evolve from there? Um, it, yeah, I think from memory, it was always 
I think with most young younger kids, you sort of just join in for the sort of fun. And as I sort of grew up, uh, I think I started to realise, obviously, with my leg, I couldn't really play outfield as much as um, it sort of always caused a bit of pain, sort of running about on my leg is, for, for long periods of time. So I, it was sort of a coach and family that sort of gave the idea of going in there. So I became a, a goalkeeper and I was sort of a, a goalkeeper for, I think, seven years or something. Um, and I sort of proper loved it and just enjoyed it. And um, I think, yeah, I was constantly sort of in in teams that were, were successful and um, they were, it was, yeah, it was fun to be a part of. And I actually played the Isle of Man, um, is, is like a county, um, they've got their own county team. So I, I was involved in the sort of junior set up in the county. Um, so although obviously the Isle of Man's not, not the biggest of places, it was sort of, I always put it as like the, um, yeah, it's like it's like playing for the Isle of Man sort of from an early age. And um, although there's not a massive pool of players, I was always, it was always where you wanted to play, sort of playing for the Isle of Man. Awesome. Um, and where, how old were you when you first got involved with Amp football? I was uh, about 15, I think. It was just before, yeah, just before I turned 16, I found out about the sport and, and got across to Manchester and, and uh, got involved in the first session. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, we, can you tell us a bit about the domestic opportunities that exist um, in the UK at the moment for amputee footballers? Yeah, so when I went over to Manchester, it was um, at, at cities. Um, Man City have their own amputee team, and um, it's one of eight eight clubs in the country. Um, so there's there's teams all over the place from from up north in um, sort of Everton, Newcastle, um, got teams Arsenal, Portsmouth, Chelsea, sort of down south, West Brom. So there's quite a lot of teams sort of scattered across the UK, and um, yeah, I think it is within the clubs. Obviously, it's all about inclusive um, sort of rules and, and trying to get people involved in the sport. And uh, within the league structure, there's there's two leagues. Um, there's sort of a Premiership, which is your international rules, so players having to play on crutches, and then there's the the Championship, which is more sort of inclusive, where uh, players can, can play on their prosthetic leg and uh, that kind of thing. So it's just about getting people, as many amputees involved in the sport. And um, who do you play your domestic football for? Um, so I've actually, I've, I've just moved this summer. Um, so sort of six years with, with Man City. Um, and then, yeah, this sort of year's sort of opportunity to join up with Everton. Um, sort of joining a few other England players was was a good opportunity for me and I wanted to yeah have a bit of a change and um there's some sort of good coaches around at Everton that that I wanted to get involved with. So um it's gonna be a sort of exciting year ahead. Um especially with the, the sort of Champions League that's in its third year now. Um so it's an opportunity to to push for for a Champions League spot and um it's something I was lucky enough to go to this year with Man City. Um, so yeah, just just wanting to be at Everton so I can get another opportunity at doing that. 
So I, um, I actually saw your YouTube channel and I saw the video that you did uh, from a few months ago when you were playing in the Champions League with uh, Man City. So can you tell us how the qualification system works to qualify for the Champions League? Yeah, so um, within sort of the, the Premiership, you'd, you'd have your sort of normal league um, as it was. And um, it's actually towards the end of the year. Um, it's a sort of playoff between the four teams. Yeah, that's how you qualify to get to the Champions League. Um, so this year it was Portsmouth. Portsmouth won the playoffs. Yeah, so they'll be going next year or this year. Yeah. And when you went to the Champions League this year, how many other teams did you compete against? Good question. <laughs> there was yeah, there was two two groups of four. So yeah, it was only there was only eight eight teams of us. Um, at the Champions League, sort of across, there was a Turkish side, Polish, um, there was Italian, Spanish, um, teams like that. There were, there were um, yeah, it was just another great experience again, sort of playing, playing against sort of top, top players in Europe and um, as well for us as a city team. Um, it was a sort of first opportunity we got to go away as a, as a team and um, compete and it was it was it was a good experience for us all. Um, it sounds like from what you've described, a lot of the domestic teams over here have links with professional clubs, like you say, Everton, Man City, Portsmouth. Is that the same with teams that you've played from uh, other countries in the Champions League? So, for example, you know, would you have a Barcelona or Real Madrid amputee football team? No, that that that's the, the different. I think Poland are the only other team that I I can remember. Um, Legia Warsaw, um, but apart from that, and, and Wisla Krakow, um, there is there's there's obviously your Turks, there you sort of um, sort of example of they have their own sort of teams, their own clubs, um, similar to Spain and, and Italy, um, it's just just amputee clubs that they um, sort of created themselves. I think that's what we're sort of quite fortunate over. In England, um, the amount of clubs that do get involved in terms of the, the community stuff. Um, and domestically with the Premier League and the Championship, how regularly do you have fixtures? The fixtures are, are once a month um, that will take place at the sort of, um, I think we call it the home of amputee football in, in Crew. Um, so the, the Premiership will normally be on the Saturday and then Championship on the, on the Sunday. Why is Crew the home of amputee football? Can you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> it's, a, it's always been a, a debate. It's always been called the centre of the country. Um, but also, I think it is just um, since I was involved in the sport, it was it was just moving to Crew. Um, I think it was. Um, I think yeah, just the opportunity to work with Receive College. Uh, I know they're they're sort of one of our, our big sponsors in terms of. Um, allowing us the sort of use of the facility and um, I know sort of previously to, to when I was involved it was the England team would have been in, in different f- facilities every other month and um, I think they really wanted to sort of make it professional and, and have uh, a sort of home for us all um, somewhere where we'd, we'd come consistently and obviously recently it's all been sort of branded up and uh, it looks really sort of impressive Um with all the banners and, and that kind of thing. And, and um, do you know if there's any plans for amputee football to become part of the Paralympics one day? There is. There's 
Uh, I know I was involved in sort of testing last year at the Euros, um, where they're just trying to sort of sharpen up the sort of uh, qualifications for players to get involved. And there's always sort of different rules in terms of um, different types of amputations and, and limb deficiencies and that kind of thing. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's something they've, they've sharpened up a lot um, in terms of like the, the world organisations and and WAF and that kind of thing. They've, um, there's a real push for it, I think, in terms of getting the funding. Um, and I've not, I, I won't lie, I've not had many conversations, but I know sort of people that are involved in those conversations and they, they sort of say, sort of maybe in the next four, four to eight years or whatever, um, they, it could, could happen. And you mentioned earlier that um, there's uh, the England team are in the process of building better links with the FA and getting more support from the FA. So when you go out to World Cups and European Championships at the moment, where does the majority of your funding come from? It comes from from quite a few places. Sort of each player um, has the sort of responsibility to raise. Um, it's normally around sort of a grand or... Fifteen hundred pounds each, um, so that that could come from sponsors or, or doing uh, various sort of donation um, pages or sort of fundraising and um, sort of yeah, there's there's all kinds of things, sort of bucket collections and um, yeah, we we do have we've got quite a few sponsors um, that help out massively and um, sort of yeah, simply business. Of, uh, sort of our main sponsor at the moment that have been involved for, for quite a few years and Adidas um, are in their third year with us now and um, there are there's quite a lot of good people that have sort of supported the charity and um, obviously as nice as it would be to be with the FA it is, it's also quite sort of cool I think to to sort of have the responsibility of us all um, getting involved in, in the whole process. Brilliant. And what's the next uh, major tournament or next set of fixtures coming up for England? Um, so it's it's quite a new format. We've got um, sort of like a, a Nations League, uh, which is next year. Um, it's, it's still quite in its early stages, I think. Um, from what I remember, it was maybe England, Poland, Turkey and, and Spain, I think, were involved um, and maybe a few others, but that'll be next year. And then obviously 2024 will be um, at our next sort of major tournament with the Euros. And how often do you train with both England and uh, Everton, your club side? So England's normally uh, once a month. It could could sometimes be twice um, and that'll be for a full weekend. So we'll We'll sort of get down on the Friday night and, and be gone again sort of Sunday afternoon. And it is it's a, it's a, it's a weekend full of graft, to be honest. It is quite a grueling weekend, and it, but it's also quite good fun. Um, so that'll be with England and then Everton, that'll be a, a weekly session as well, um, sort of as a team, um, which is, again, it's all good good for us and, and we'll obviously do our own stuff um, away from football to, to try and keep fit as possible and I was going to say what do you do individually in between your uh, sessions with uh, England and Everton to keep yourself in good shape what does a typical week you know of training consist of for yourself yeah I'm, I was I've been quite lucky sort of being a uni student I, I had 
quite a lot of free time <laughs> um, to sort of get away to the gym and um, that kind of thing. Um, sort of, I do, I do. I've started to really enjoy it the sort of past two, three years of of getting in the gym, and I think it's a really sort of important part of being obviously an athlete um making sure all that is sort of those little one percents are done um and yeah on top of all the football um a lot of us sort of lads that are in sort of northwest um will get together sort of again for an extra session um on, on the pitch so it's it is quite quite a commitment to be sort of part of it all absolutely um and who would you say has been the biggest influence on your footballing you know, career so far? It's tough. It's tough to answer. There is, there's quite a lot, a lot of people that sort of always influence me, I think, sort of in terms of amputee football. Um, definitely sort of Dave Tweed, um, who's our sort of captain. He's been playing the sport for 20 years and um, he was always someone I looked up to in terms of, what he did on the pitch, he, he sort of, although he's he's 46, um, he, he's got those sort of, I always see him as like a James Milner in terms of <laughs> he's still one of the fittest and um, yeah, it, it'll definitely give you a run for your money in the bleep test and, and that kind of thing. And obviously being a captain, he's, he's always someone I'd look up to. And um, there's also been sort of, like I said, the psychologist, Tim Patton, uh, someone I worked with massively sort of over the past two, three years, uh, I think sort of influenced me as a person um, and definitely, yeah, been a massive part of things and um, probably, yeah, again, Owen Coyle, the, the manager, um, he's he's definitely, he's been with me for, for six, seven years now and he started from the, the junior programme and been with us in the 23s and then obviously in the senior squad with him. So it was a few people there that have been sort of massive. Awesome. And if you had to liken your own style of play to a professional footballer, who would it be? Um, I've had, someone's someone's called me like a Roy Keane before. Um, <laughs> I do. I enjoy enjoy putting a few challenges in and, and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I, I think as a, a sort of centre back. Um, yeah, I enjoy putting quite a few tackles in and, um, yeah, also like getting forward and, and getting a few goals if I can. And, um, yeah, I think I'd take Roy Keane, to be honest. Someone else has said it, so I'll take that. Cool. I think that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, you know, he's uh, had a pretty decent career. He's not done bad for himself, has he? Just the same he's a United player. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who do you support yourself? I'm a Liverpool fan, yeah. I've sort of most of my family Liverpool, so I, I've always sort of followed that, and yeah, that's the uh, best answer you could ever have given on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, well done, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, And what are your footballing ambitions uh, for the future, both as an individual and you know for your club side and with England? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of. A lot of us that are really sort of passionate about um, being this sort of youthful squad going forward and um, all of us, I think, definitely have ambitions of, of winning a, a major tournament. Um, I think, yeah, it, this experience we've just had at the World Cup, um, it definitely is, it sort of feels like the start of uh, something that could go on to be 
really good sort of in the next 10 years or so. Um, so yeah, winning winning a major tournament would be um, sort of amazing for us all. Um, and for me, sort of personally, um, I say it quite a lot, but I've always got ambitions of, of captain in England and um, I've been lucky enough to, to do it twice this year. And um, yeah, it's something um, I feel sort of would be a, would be a good role for me in, in terms of being a leader and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then in terms of club, again, it's exciting being with Everton um, this year and pushing for the, the sort of, I've, I've never actually won the league in England, so um, it'd be really exciting to, to win a few leagues and, and qualify for Champions League and, and get to experience that as much as possible. You mentioned you've captained England twice already. Um, I'm visually impaired myself and in vision impaired sports, when you're a captain, one of the biggest things you need is really good communication because you're dealing with players that, you know, obviously have sight loss and things like that. Are there any particular qualities that you feel are more important in amputee football than, say, able-bodied football at all as a captain? Yeah, it's a good question, to be fair. it's um, I, I'd say it's probably quite a few similarities. Um I think maybe one of the biggest things is sort of how you are as a person. I think there's, there's so many different types of people involved in amputee football. I think there's quite a, a few sort of, yeah, different characters, if you like. I think there's there's quite a few of us that have gone through things in life that um, influenced how people are. And I think, yeah, being sort of a leader and being being someone around the team, you've got to be good with people and, and understanding them and, um, I think, yeah, that's an attribute I think I'd like to say I've got. Um, so, yeah, that, that that sort of side to it. And also commitment. Obviously, we're a, we're a sport that as much as we want to be elite, we're also um, sort of amateurs, if you like, uh, in terms of people having jobs away. So so being a, a role model in terms of uh, working hard as you can to, to reach high levels within the sport, I think is another sort of attribute you need to have within amputee football. Um, you mentioned earlier on, obviously, uh, I think, am I right in thinking you've just finished university? How was your experience at university? I think you studied football coaching from what you, you've mentioned. Yeah, so I did. I was at uh, UCFB um, at the Etihad campus. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, I thought it was really sort of interesting for me. And I was always involved within coaching and obviously a lot of football. So um, it was quite fun to, to also get to study it. Um, I think that's sort of one of the main motivators. Um, I sort of, I, I never really wanted to go to university, but it gave me the opportunity to, to move across to the UK um, so I could train um, a lot more frequently with, with England and, and Man City. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was good fun. And obviously at the same time as being a uni student, I was, I was pushing to, to get in the England squad and that kind of thing. So it was, it was definitely sort of tough to, to get the balance and, um, between the two and um, I was yeah I was really chuffed to, to sort of come away at the end of it with a 2-1 and um, beating the rest of my family getting the highest grade so <laughs> something I was really happy with. Oh, well congratulations on uh, you know graduating uni it's uh, you know uni is a tough thing to, to go through so uh, to come out with a 2-1 is, is brilliant so uh, well done that's really good. Uh, whilst you were at City did you get a chance to work with any of the you know City coaches have you ever met Pep Guardiola? That's like one of the most common questions, sort of. Um, we always trained it sort of the evening, in the evening. So by the time we got there, 
<laughs> most of the time they'd gone. Um, but we did, we got quite a few, we, getting to train at the sort of training ground was sort of a, a brilliant sort of experience. And um, yeah, you sort of, when you when I moved to the club, they sort of gave you a tour around everything. And it was, it was really impressive to be a part of. And um, I was lucky enough to sort of be involved in um, one of the sponsors, sure, the Odeon. Um, so I, I probably, people sick of my face sort of being on TV, but there's was, there was quite a few adverts with, with Shaw in City, um, which again was a good opportunity to sort of advertise amputee football. That's pretty cool that you've been on a, an advert. Uh, how did your teammates kind of uh, react to that? Sometimes, you know, they can, uh, you know, being in a, a team of any side, there's always a bit of uh, kind of uh, Mickey taking going about. But what was the reaction like from your teammates yeah. when you, they saw that? More of the, the latter. I think there was a lot of people, <laughs> especially um, with sort of my sort of one line that I've got to say in the advert. There was um, plenty of banter going around and sort of always one of the first to be asked around who's got the old gent room in the change room. So, um, yeah, I've always got to try and supply the the, the old gent in the, in the change room. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, and now you've finished university, what are your plans for the future in terms of, uh, you know, work life? I've always sort of sort of imagined myself being um, within the sort of coaching and teaching sort of industry. I don't know um, what it will look like. I've always said to myself that I want a job that allows me to, to train as much as possible. So a job that um, I'll enjoy and, and also get get my own time to, to do, to commit to football. So, um, yeah, something involved within within coaching I'm, I'm quite passionate about coaching within the community I, I quite enjoy um going into schools and, and doing after school sessions and um yeah just getting involved with um disability football as well there's, there's quite a few sessions out there that that cater for, for different types of disabilities so it's something I've always looked looked into and um yeah hopefully within the next sort of few few months I'll have something secured and um it'll be good fun Oh, well, I wish you good luck with the uh, job hunt. Um, we've talked, obviously, predominantly about uh, football, but I just wondered, what are your interests outside of the game? Um, outside of it, I am quite into sports, um, massively sort of also into cricket quite a lot. Um, I played it sort of growing up um, and still sort of enjoy watching it and um, lucky enough to go on to a few games and um, that kind of thing and, um also as well sort of you said about my youtube I, I do quite enjoy sort of editing and and media and that kind of thing i did that at school and again it was another passion of mine to get involved with with that kind of thing so it's yeah a couple of those things but mainly it is i can't lie it is a lot of football uh, in my life uh, you sound just like me you know lover of sport but there's there's nothing wrong with that um and you mentioned your enjoyment of media i mean earlier on you said you would liken yourself to roy Keane, so maybe we'll be seeing you on sky sports one day being grumpy and uh, criticizing everyone's performances <laughs> yeah he, he was quite grumpy last night wasn't he after the liverpool game <laughs> good to watch um and uh two last questions uh one uh what are your thoughts on uh, liverpool's chances for the season how do you think they're going to do um i won't lie sort of the past sort of two three weeks it's been definitely a challenge um watching watching the games back and um yeah i think it's tough to say because you, you 
after last night's performance against City, um, you kind of feel like this could be the kickstart of things and uh, who knows, we could catch up the likes of Arsenal and, and City and Spurs. So uh, I don't think, I think people are, are wrong to sort of write us off just yet. And, and who knows sort of after the World Cup, what we could, what we could look like and um, definitely, definitely top four finish, I'd say. <laughs> Well, as a fellow Liverpool fan, I certainly hope you're right about that one. Um, and finally, um, for anyone who's interested in, uh, you know, wanting to follow your journey, um, can you tell us um, how they can follow you on social media and about your YouTube channel? Yeah, so um, I'm across all all sort of Instagram, Facebook and uh, Twitter, just Sean Jackson. Um, and yeah, the, the, the YouTube, something I started uh, last year when, when I was at the Euros um, it was just an idea that I could sort of capture memories and um, it was also quite good banter with the, the lads that, that enjoyed watching it um, so yeah it's something good good fun to look back on and hopefully sort of in 10 years time we'll, we'll be able to show sort of family and, and kids and that kind of thing so it's the channel's Sean Jackson Amputee Footballer um, and yeah sort of I'd normally do a video sort of if we've got a training weekend or if we've got matches on. So is you just get to sort of see um, a bit more behind the scenes. We've got quite a good media team that will that will show all the games and that kind of thing. But something a bit more personal behind the, the scenes is, is good fun. Yeah, I think the YouTube channel is a brilliant idea. Like you say, first of all, it offers more of a behind the scenes look at you know what you get up to. But also a lot of disability sports uh, still don't get a great deal of media coverage. So, you know, things like YouTube and social media are brilliant now because, you know, we're not reliant on mainstream media to, to be able to get out there. Um, and it helps, you know, show you know, young kids who are maybe in a similar position show that these sports are around. So I think it's a, a brilliant thing that you're doing. So, uh, yeah, well done for doing that. Um, uh, listen, John, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Thank you ever so much for uh, joining us. Um, and, you know, uh, well done on, on your time out at the World Cup. Um, it sounds like England have got quite a young and exciting side. So look forward to following their journey. And uh, congratulations on, on finishing university. And, um, yeah, we look forward to following your journey over the next few years. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe bringing home a Euros or a World Cup one day. Fingers crossed. <laughs> thanks for having me brilliant no problem at all thank you very much for your time Sean thanks I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sean you can follow Sean's journey by subscribing to his YouTube channel which is Sean Jackson Amputee Footballer the next episode will be out on the 13th of November when I'll be speaking to visually impaired surfer Dave Lewis don't forget to follow us on social media and to subscribe to our YouTube channel and thanks for listening <laughs>